with Volunteers of America. And so there'll be things like that. So how many know we need to be ready? So we need to be ready. And last week, it slipped out of my mouth, but I prophetically said we need to be ready as a church when crisis hits, not knowing what we were going to wake up to on Monday morning. The reason why we need to be ready is because those who are ready are the ones who step into the opportunity. How many know we have to be ready for the opportunities that God opens up to us or they'll just pass us by? You see, one of the reasons why we need to, to be ready that we need to understand, and again, I had no idea when we started this season right and, and God said this is going to be a season of harvest. I had no idea what was about to happen in our nation. I had no idea what was going to happen in Northern California, but I believe that God is extending an invitation to real life to be ready, to get prepared. Listen, we don't have to feel guilty because we are being prepared. We are being prepared as a church. I don't want to be a church found sitting on their hands when things happen. I want to be a church that says, God, use me when things happen. I want to be a church that be a, uh, that's able to say, hey, we've got 12 people. We can send them. We've got a team here. We can send them. You need help to rebuild a house in Houston. We can send them. You need help to build a house in Florida. We can resend them. You need help to, you know, man an evacuee center. We can send them. We have people equipped and trained right in this church. I was talking to uh, Tina this morning. She's a trained grief counselor and she's on call for our district to go and uh, you know counsel victims and same with Jean Denny I have a heart to reach when God says reach but we've got to be ready amen I talked to a couple friends yesterday as I said I talked to another friend of mine uh, R.C. Carrillo and he says uh, yesterday that there, it's still there's still a shock even in the city and he said there's even a disconnect. He said just even seven miles down the road in Roner Park. He says when you go to Roner Park, it's like business as usual. It's like because even seven miles away, they weren't, they, they weren't like directly impacted. But he said yesterday in Santa Rosa at a park called Finley Park, he said there were just hundreds of people in the parking lot who've been displaced. And they have no idea really what to do. So others have fleed to, to family outside of the area, but there's people literally camping in the parks just waiting to be able to go through the rubble and the ashes of their homes. So we need to be praying. We have to hear the Holy Spirit's urgency to get ready. Everybody say, get ready. Amen. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Amen. That's what this month has been de dedicated to. It's so important for us to hear what the Holy Spirit is beckoning us to do. We must be a church, listen, that is ready for the end time harvest. I said we must be a church that is ready for the end time harvest. <clears throat> I have a dream that we'd have a disaster team that's always ready to go. It's been a dream of mine to have a disaster relief trailer fully equipped with a mobile kitchen and supplies that could be mobilized and, and dispatched to anywhere in the nation when tragedy strikes. How many know we can be ready like that? Amen. Titus 3.1 says, Remind them to be subject to their rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. How many know there's a lot of good work out there to do? But we have to be ready. This morning I want to talk to you about supernatural solutions. Supernatural 
solutions. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to the Teen Challenge Banquet. If you don't know what Teen Challenge is, it's a home that uh, takes in those that have addictions, those that are, you know, uh, in bondage to, to drugs, and, and, and not just drugs, but alcohol and other things. And I went to a banquet, and I reconnected with a friend of mine, Pastor Dan Axtell, who pastors a church called Restoration Life in Midtown. Hadn't seen Dan for about a year and a half. And uh, I said, hey, man, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? And he had a big grin on his face. And he, he said, he boldly said, I'm working on solving the homeless problem in Sacramento. I said, you're what? He said, I'm working on solving the homeless problem in Sacramento. I said, are you serious? I said, we've been, as a church, we've been actually praying God for, for an open heart and an open door and an opportunity to really expand what we do as a church. He said, yeah, let me tell you what we're doing. He says, we're building these tiny homes. Did anybody see the tiny trailer out there as you came in? He said, we're building these tiny homes and we're creating what we're calling Compassion Village. And he says, I'm not looking to anyone except Jesus and the body of Christ to do it. And he looked at me and he says, and we can do it. And I was like, yeah, and we can do it. I was thinking, I left that conversation and I was thinking about how many problems exist in our city that God wants to solve. I was thinking about the problems that we talk about, that we know about, that God has supernatural solutions that he wants to work through his people to solve. Pastor Dan's bold vision to solve the homeless problem in Sacramento inspired me to think like God thinks. You see, Dan not only sees us building a few homes together and building one community, Actually, Dan sees 15 villages across the region. It's a real problem. How many know homelessness is a a problem? But it can be accomplished. It can be completed. It can be solved through God's power working through his people. How many know the Holy Spirit is the giver of good ideas? He is the giver of every solution. And listen, we're not taking credit, and Pastor Dan's not taking credit. That is a heavenly download that God gave him, and God has given favor with city officials, and they're starting their new community right here in our own backyard. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, according, listen, according to the power that works in us. Let me just say that again. Now to him who is able to exceedingly, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. How many know that power is unlimited? The only one, listen, that limits God's supernatural solutions flowing through our lives is us. We're going to be looking at Jesus' miracle this morning of feeding the 5,000 and how he solved what to be, what seemed to be a big problem. Have you ever faced a big problem before? Which is recorded actually in all four of the Gospels. And you can read it uh, in every uh, synopsis there. But Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. 
if you'd like to read all the accounts of the event. But we're going to look at Luke 9, verses 1 to 3 and verse 6. Luke 9, verses 1 to 3 and verse 6. And then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not, and do not have two tunics apiece. Verse 6, So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The disciples are coming back from a missions trip to the news that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. You can probably imagine the physical exhaustion the disciples are feeling at this point, much like uh, Brother Sam here who just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with the jet lag and, you know, all of these things. The disciples are absolutely exalted because they're just coming off of a mission trip. How many of you been on a mission trip and you just came back absolutely tired? Just me. We're going to talk about mission trips next week. But now, because of the news of John the Baptist being beheaded, there's an added emotional stress of suffering and loss of a loved one. <clears throat> so they get in a boat, Jesus and the disciples, they get in a boat and they go to a desolate place to try to get some rest. The problem with that idea is that people follow them to where they were going. How many know when God is moving, people always want to know where you're going? You see, people can't get enough when they know that God is moving. Listen, they want to go where you are going. The disciples go from being everywhere without bringing anything to being in the middle of nowhere with Jesus and the multitude. We know from the different accounts of this miracle that Jesus taught them many things regarding the kingdom, healed the sick, but the ministry time must have been extensive because the disciples make Jesus aware that it's getting late and the people haven't eaten yet. How many know Christians are good at letting you know they haven't ate yet? <laughs> Luke 9, verse 12, we'll pick up the story here. When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Everybody say, you give them something to eat. In other words, they say, Jesus, there is a problem. Now, I want to take you to John 4. And again, we started with this passage. In John 4, Jesus says this. He says, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Everybody say, they're ready. Now, if you go to John's account of this story, look at this. It says in John 6, verse 3, uh, sorry, verse 5, it says, Then Jesus, after saying this in John 4, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread? that these may eat. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. How many know Jesus knows what he's doing? 
But Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, Jesus, Costco is closed. (laughs) They looked around and they said, Jesus, there is no super Walmart in Bethsaida. No, what they really said was, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. How many know when we are facing problems, especially the insurmountable problems that we see today, even when I was talking to my friend, if you, I, I seen an overview of the fire, fire's destruction and just, I mean, thousands, over 2,000 residences destroyed. And I'm talking to my friend and it's just one home and his home has been destroyed and just one home alone to one person. I mean, just the, the devastation and the impossibility and the problem of that alone. And yet there's 2,000 of those. We know from John's account that of all the people that came and followed the disciples to that desolate place, there was a little chubby boy who stopped at McDonald's and got two filet of fish with an extra bun. (laughs) They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. How many know... When we face these problems, it's easy to look within ourselves and our resources and say, you know what, we can't do it. You know what, that might be for the church down the street. They got a bigger budget, but, you know, praise God. How many know we have Jesus in our midst? What I get out of this is, listen, the one who sustained What Jesus was saying was, the one who sustained you when I sent you, back at the beginning of the chapter, the one who sent you on that missions trip, he said, the one who sustained you when I sent you is the one who can supply you when they need you. Do you hear my heart this morning? The one who sustained you when I sent you, disciples, is the one who can supply you when they need you the most. One of the things that really is churning in me right now and has been for several weeks, even in the midst of these unfolding tragedies in our nations, I hear Jesus saying the same thing to me. Dean, you give them something to eat. You give them a place to live. They said, some people are calling me all week. What are you going to do? Church is calling me all week. What are you going to do? I tell you the first thing I did. I said, Amy, we're opening up our home. I called several friends. I said, if you need a place to go, if you're in Santa Rosa, you need a place to go. You come and you live with us. You come, you open up your house. Why? Jesus is saying, Dean, you give them something to eat. How many know if we don't give them something to eat, then nobody else is? I got small ears. (laughs) These things don't work good for me. You give them something that he, allow me to be the solution through you. This is what I'm burdened with right now, as a, and I want to invite you to carry the burden with me. But here's the key. The disciples looked within themselves alone to meet the need of the multitude. They said, unless we go buy food for all these people. My greatest fear as your pastor is that we would begin to look at what we have and be limited by what we have. 
and make decisions based on what we don't have instead of looking to the one who we have and who can release the miracles for the multitudes we need to reach in our community, city, and beyond. I want to be stretched by the need for God to move supernaturally. I don't want to do anything. Listen, I don't want to do anything as a church. They said, man, look what that church did. No, I want to do something, listen, so big, so big, so radical, so out of the box that they say, listen, man, Jesus moved through that. I don't know the name of that church, but Jesus moved. The power of the Holy Spirit moved through that church. That's what I want to do. Show me the biggest problem in the city and let's, listen, let's seek God and let's seek his heart and let's ask God for the idea that he would download to us that we might see a mighty miracle in our midst. It's so funny because every church I go to, whether the budget is six million or two million or one million, I always tell people when I go, I go, I got the uh, spending freeze anointing. Because everywhere I go, I'm not even joking, I was at Jesus Culture, they got a huge, huge budget. You know, I'm there three months, and they go, hey, we're going to have to cut salaries, and we're on a spending freeze. I'm like, praise God, hallelujah. Come in here, Jesus said, God, Holy Spirit says, we're going to get those finances healthy. Same type of thing. How many know, listen, if we just look at what we have instead of who we have, we're always going to be limited. I refuse to be limited, listen, by the spirit of mammon, by the spirit of the world. Listen, when we step out, come on, how do you know when God guides, he provides? Where he leads, he feeds. Listen, and if we're just going to wait, sit back, and wait until we have enough money to do anything, we might as well just pack up right now, close the door, and let's just scatter across the city. Hello? I know that was pretty harsh. Anyway, it's my passion. Let's not be limited. Let's not, let's not limit the Holy Spirit on what he wants to do. I want to be stretched by the need for God to move supernaturally. I'm smart enough to know that I don't have what it takes within myself to do what God has on his heart through this church because it's so much bigger than us. You see, the supernatural reveals the saving power of Jesus to the multitudes. The disciples were confronted by their limitations. They didn't have the means to take care of the multitude, but Jesus, the one who could take care of the miracle, was standing in their midst. Verse 14, for there were about 5,000 men. And then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Man, Jesus was into small groups. There you go, right there. Make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. How many know that's where we have to look? We can't look at our hands. We've got to put it in his hands. And then we've got to look to our source. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. You see, who we have can take what we have and turn it into what we never thought we could have. I honestly be, believe people are not going to be razzled and dazzled to Jesus by what we can do on a Sunday, but only by what he can do through a people who are willing to take what they have and place it 
in his hands. Listen, you might not feel like you have much. Listen, to be honest with you, most of the time I feel like the most unqualified person to be doing what I'm doing. But how many know I'm not qualified because of other people's qualifications. I'm qualified because it's Jesus Christ alone who qualifies me and anoints me to do what I couldn't do on my own. He takes the little that I have, looks to heaven, breaks it up, and he says, Dean, go distribute. Go be my channel. Go be my conduit for the supernatural. You see, Jesus wants to put some super on your natural so that with him we can see the supernatural power of God at work. He wants to take the practical things we can do and turn them into miraculous, miraculous things only he can do. He's not limited by what we have, yet we limit the work of God by not believing God for all that he has. How are you ready to believe God for all that he has? All that he has. One of the things that we've been praying about as a church on Tuesday nights, which, by the way, uh, we're grinding away still prayer. We're going to be a house of prayer. And uh, 6.30 at the Artisan, we've been praying there in the theater for weeks now. But one of the things that we've been praying about as a church on Tuesday nights is God to lead us, as I've said, to open hearts, open doors, and better opportunities to impact the homeless population in Sacramento through our current ministry we call COTS, Church on the Streets. And God has given us a divine appointment there at that Teen Challenge Banquet with Pastor Dan Axtell. But I just want you to read, uh, I want you to hear a little bit about the problem this morning. This is an article from the Sac B in July, says with 3,665 people living without permanent shelter in Sacramento County, according to a new count released in July by Sacramento Steps Forward, the agency that coordinates local efforts to aid homelessness, it said that homelessness, homelessness rose by a startling 30% from 2,822 people the last time the transient population was counted in 2015. It said it is the highest number of people living without permanent housing Sacramento has ever recorded. About 2,000 of those counted by the survey are living outside, making another first. There are more people now living in the elements than in shelters or other emergency housing, the reverse of previous years. The number of unsheltered homeless in the county skyrocketed by 85% in recent years making up nearly half of the increase in overall numbers. About 800 of those are chronically homeless, meaning they've been homeless for more than a year or have been multiple bouts of homelessness in the past three years, and they have a mental, physical, or de developmental disability that keeps them from working. And that 800, listen, is a stereotype that we usually blank that whole population with. But as, if you know anything about homelessness, sometimes it's just about one person missing one paycheck. I've talked to the men before that they've either lost a job or they, lost, they, they missed a few paychecks. They found themselves out on the street. In this report, Mayor Daryl Steinberg said, this report is a call to action. No excuses. These things were speaking to me as I read them. And then the CEO of Sacramento Steps Forward says, it's important to own that these people on your street are your people. How many know they're God's creation? We talked about that last week. They're God's 
creation. Today, I've invited a friend, Tammy Vallejo, to come and share about the opportunity we have to be a part of a supernatural solution in Sacramento that I believe Jesus is inviting Real Life Church to be a partner with. Tammy is a social entrepreneur focused on solving society's most pressing issues through business strategies and collaborative partnerships. She is CEO and founder of four social enterprise companies, the 210 Impact Hubs, Compassion Village, Real Estate with a Purpose, and E49 Corporation. She graduated from UC Davis and has lived in Sacramento for 29 years. She's been married to her husband, Tom, for 30 and has two daughters, Gabby and Carly. Will you welcome to the platform this morning, Tammy Vallejo. Is on? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you. Well, the Holy Spirit is working here this morning because I didn't know what you were going to say and you didn't know what I was going to say. So <laughs> I have to just share a couple things. Um, eight years ago, I was sitting in the congregation of Pastor Dan Extel, and uh, I did not see myself as a pastor or a leader, but I had, you know, planned a bunch of events and things like that. And the Lord grabbed a hold of me and he said, I need your help. I need you to unite my church. I said, What? Me? And he said, yeah, I need you to unite my church around the things that matter most to me, and that is the people in this community who are underserved and who do not have a voice. And so I said, all right, well, where do I start and how do I fund it? And he goes, no, no, I'm going to fund it, and I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> Come on. So for seven years, he said to me, I do not want you to ask for money. I want you to lean on me. And I want you to step out, and I want you to step into the community and do what I'm asking you to do. And that has been a faith journey for the last seven years. I could write books about. Maybe I'll do that one day. Um, but God did not, and it never did over seven years, provide us with the funds straight up front to do it. He just said, step out, and I'll make it happen. And that's what he did. So we just compiled some numbers recently of what God has done in the last seven years through E49. Over 57,000 people have been touched by the ministry that's a conservative number. God did that through lots of events and things like that. Last year, he said, okay, now your voice is going to be opened up, and I need you to teach other people how to do this. And he said, so the first thing we're going to tackle is homelessness. Pastor Dan came to me, and he said, we're going to build tiny homes. And I said, that wasn't my plan. He said, no, that's my plan. We're going to build tiny homes. God said it, and I know to trust my pastor when God speaks to him. So we, with zero money in our pocket, no plans on paper yet, called a meeting February 15th of this year, this just started, and we brought, invited a group of people to walk into our church. And as they walked into that church, I'm sorry, into our hub, they didn't walk into a church, they came to the meeting, about 20 or 30 people. We split people up into teams, and we said we're going to build tiny homes. Then a pastor by the name of David Burke at Fremont at Free, uh, Presbyterian Church downtown said, okay, we're going to build the first two, and we're going to start on April 30th. Any builders in the room? February 15th, we kicked it off. April 30th, we started building. We had plans in hand by April 30th. We had supplies in hand by April 30th, and Fremont Press started building two churches, or two, maybe they are churches, mm -hmm. two tiny homes. Um, so here's what that looks like. $7,500 is what it takes to build a home. We asked churches to raise that money. They raise the money. Once they then get the plans, we give them all the materials. 
Once they get the materials and the plans, they build the home, we take it down to a village. All of our villages are on underutilized church properties in the Sacramento region. The first one's in Del Paso. We have two in South Sacramento that are coming up next. One will focus on women and children. The first one is mostly focused on men and veterans. The third one wants to focus on reentry. That just happened yesterday. Um, God has unleashed this thing like I would have never imagined. Mm, and wow. he's unleashed his church to begin to affect change in the region. We're partnered with the city. We're partnered with the county. They know what we're doing, but they're not funding it. This is God's, this is God's plan. This is what God wants to do. Once people are in the village, they're wrapped with services and then eventually there will be a permanent micro home for them. There's three phases of each of these things, and then in the middle of it, we will actually build social enterprise companies like food trucks um, or a recycling center or whatever the people in the village feel like they can do. But we're going to teach them how to be entrepreneurs, and we're going to teach them how to sustain Amen. themselves once we get going. So I would encourage you guys to get involved. I think you're going to get a chance to here in a minute. And let me just um, say something that happened yesterday when you talk about thinking big. It's $7,500 for a home. For $5,000 a year for one year, I, we can serve per person. The total for a village of 20, the total amount is $300,000. For $300,000 per village, I don't know if you've seen the city's numbers and what they're planning on spending for this, we can do this through the church for $300,000 per village. So I would encourage you all to get involved the way you are. No matter who you are, there's a place for you in this. I was just you sitting in the congregation eight years ago, and God lit a fire under me, and anybody can do it. Amen. Thank you, Tammy. One more thing. So once, because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna buy one of these and build one of these. Are you guys with me? And so it doesn't stop there because we'll place a resident in there and then how will this church be a part of, of that? Yeah, so we also knew that just um, from a finance perspective, it takes three years to get sustainable. But the reality is it's not the money. God will provide that. What really matters is that we need you all. We need a team of five to, 10 to, five to 15 people to stay on site with us those people will be mentoring, and they'll be teaching um, enterprise, and they'll be working with the individuals in partnership in the home and around the community. And we want you to stay involved with these, with these um, communities um, as long as you can. We're asking for three years of involvement. Um, but we believe that the church discipling and working with people in the village is what's going to change their lives. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Tammy. You're welcome. Can you guys thank Tammy? Praise God. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. And listen, what's exciting to me, I was just announcing this a couple of weeks ago, and someone walked up to me and said, hey, if you build one of those tiny homes, I got your first thousand. And so today, all we have to do is raise $6,500, not $7,500. $6,500 between both services. And on your way out, I want you to go and look at those homes. We'll place a resident in there, and then we will become that person's extended family because it's important that this person is surrounded by family because that helps break the cycles in their lives. So I'm going to give you a moment just to grab an envelope. You can also go online. We've actually, there's a, a Compassion Village. You can check that box there. 
online on your phone, so you're able to do that. If you want to do that later, you can designate that gift there. But listen, I'm not asking just a few people to write a big check. I'm just asking everybody to take those five loaves and those two fishes. And this morning, let's put it in the hands of Jesus and let's see what supernatural solution he can come up with. You can make checks out to Real Life Church. Just take a moment and I'm gonna pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you are calling us God, you are calling us to lift up our eyes and see the multitudes. And God, you want us to recognize, God, that you provide the miracles. God, you are the miracle-working God. And God, you provide the miracle that's needed to feed the multitudes. And today, God, we take what's in our hands, what you've given us, and God, we put it in your hands. And we ask you to multiply it. Help us to build a home, God, in Compassion Village, God. We want to see that community explode and these other villages explode across our region. We thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. They're going to pass those.